Welcome back to Two Keto Dudes. This is Carl Franklin from Connecticut. I went keto in 2016 to reverse diabetes and lose weight, and it worked. But now it's my mission to spread the science of keto and to show the world how cooking is really necessary for keto success. Oh, yeah, and uh, pastrami sandwiches. Pastrami sandwiches? Right. You know what? I have never had a pastrami sandwich in my life. Oh, well, you got to come over for lunch, Carrie. All right, that's on my list. All right. Anyway, I'm Carrie Brown, and I also live in Connecticut, just down the road from Carl. I'm a trained pastry chef who went keto to control and eventually eliminate symptoms from bipolar 2 disorder and depression. I no longer have to take any medications, and I no longer have any symptoms. It's my mission to show the world that keto food is entirely delicious, and with a great recipe, it can be tastier and way healthier than any other kind of food. Right, and this show is a document of our experiences thriving for years in nutritional ketosis. It's a document of our experiences reversing depression, diabetes, and bipolar 2 disorder, and how both of us feel better than we ever have before. And hopefully that might help a few people who are curious about this kind of dietary hacking. Now, we are not doctors, so there will not be any medical advice given. Right. We just want to share our experiences and review the research that supports it. On this podcast, we share our recipes and any science we find in the show notes. Sharing recipes that will help you on your keto journey is my favorite. So let's start podcast number 194, Spreading Success with Ron Big Black Garrett. started let's just explain in plain english what a ketogenic diet is sure that's any diet that puts you into a state of ketosis where you're burning fat for energy rather than glucose and the way we did it was to limit our carbohydrates to 20 grams or less every day enjoy a moderate amount of protein one to one and a half grams per kilogram of lean body mass and all our energy comes from fat fat that stuff the expert told us for years would make our bodies fat if we ate it? Yes, fat. And some people still are holding on to the old trope that saturated fat makes you fat and gives you heart disease. But if you're just starting, listen to our starting keto show at start.2keto.com or just start listening from episode one. Well, Carrie, it's been, what, a month since we've done a live show here? It it's, has uh, been a month, and what a month! I know, what's new with you? What, so much, I can't even remember all that's happened in the last month, <sighs> but we've both been super, super, super busy, which is why our schedules haven't aligned, mm. and here's a few of the highlights from my month. Okay. Number one, mold. Mold, you mean like the thing that you put jello into that turns it into this nice uh, shaped uh, dessert? I wish that was the kind of mold I was talking about, but I'm actually talking about the scary kind of mold. Ooh, like blue cheese mold? Um, well, more like blue cheese mold than jelly mold. <laughs> okay, you're obviously talking about mold in your house. I am talking about mold in my house and also mold in me because after I found that after a building fail, I have a rather large patch of black mold in my house, hmm. I went and got tested and I 
tested positive for six different kinds of mold myself. So wait a minute, you you can get tested for mold in your body? Yes. Really? And I have six. Where do you get such a test? I actually, I went back to the homotoxicologist who sorted out my Lyme because I figured they're both kind of chronic living infections. Your so Lyme disease, you mean? My Lyme disease, yes. Yeah. So um, that seemed like a good place to start. And um, Wow. So my house and I are both undergoing mold treatment as I speak. So which came first, the mold test on your house or the mold test on you? Oh, the house, because I didn't realize that I, it never entered my head that I may have to go and <laughs> yeah, get right. myself tested for mold. Wow. But once the uh, we found the mold in the house, due to a screw put through a downpipe that caused the mold in the house, I decided it might be a good idea if I went and get tested. Hmm. The exciting news is that we may discover that it's all this mold that has been causing the uptick in frequency and veracity of my migraines. Migraines, this last right. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm actually quite excited. And I, since I started the mold treatment, I haven't had one migraine. No kidding. So this could actually be quite exciting. I could actually end up being thrilled about the mold. <laughs> So, cautionary tale, get your house checked out for black mold. Anyway, that was the downside to my month. The upside was low-carb Houston. Yeah. I was invited to low-carb Houston by our beloved Dr. Nadia Ali, and I went and I spoke about bipolar, and I also had seven meetups, either en route or while I was in Texas or on the route back because mm. I drove. So that was a 4,000 mile road trip, which took two weeks. Right. That was awesome. I wish we had time here on this podcast to go through the event, but we don't. But needless to say, it was fantastic. Um, and then also what's kept me busy has been I decided to do a new thing, which was run a cooking masterclass. And I decided to base it on my Keto for the Holidays cookbook. And that has been a rip-roaring success hmm. and has taken up a lot of time, but it's been super, super fun. And I have been making cooking videos, demoing the recipes in the cookbook for those people who join the masterclass. So that's taken a lot of time, but it's been super, super fun. And that whole masterclass thing has been way more successful than I could ever have hoped. So, and actually right now, I'm not even home now. I am in the Poconos Mountains in Pennsylvania. I've actually taken a vacation for the first time in two and a half years. And I'm here with my big girl camera and we're taking pretty pictures of all the things in rural Pennsylvania. That is so very cool. Well, I hope you're having fun. I Well, I got here yesterday and today was my first day of shooting and I had a marvelous time. Awesome. That's kind of the highlights and lowlights of my month. What have you been up to, Cousin Carl? Well, let me tell you, while you were at Low Carb Houston, I was at a Developer Days Poland in Warsaw, Poland. I now was speaking there. And this other podcast that I do on programming.net rocks, the other Richard, Richard Campbell and I were hosting that event. And wow. And we were sort of the MCs, yeah. And so there was 1,500 people there. 
and uh, we got to introduce all the rock stars, the keynotes, and um, and we also, you know, did the closing session and stuff. It was a lot of fun. But uh, also, you know, I just realized in Poland that things are a little cheaper there in Europe than they are here. And let me tell you a story. Um, it's a story about wine glasses, actually. And, and wine will tie into the rest of my story about what I've been doing. But, I, you know, I love, I love red wine, and I like to drink it out of glass wine glasses. But the problem is, is that they break. I have hardwood floors, and, you know, sometimes we knock them over. Between my wife and I, when she's cleaning them and I'm putting them away or whatever, just make an arm gesture that goes awry, they fall over and break. And Uh-oh. when they break, we have to clean it up. And it's Uh-oh. sweeping and all of that stuff. So long story short, after the last keto mini fest at my house, which was the build your own chaffle burger event, which chaffle. Yeah, whatever. Okay. Also <laughs> plays into the rest of my story. Um, uh, Julie Bagel and I, you know, Julie Fox McClure from uh, Fox Hill Kitchens, she came down. And uh, afterwards, you know, she stays at my house whenever we have a, because it's a, a four hour ride, right? And it's 10 o'clock at night. She's not going to drive four hours back to Vermont. So she stays over. We're sitting, having a glass of wine, chatting about this and that. And, you know, I made some sort of gesture with my hand and crash. There goes a wine glass, right? Oops. So we cleaned it up as best we could. I mean, we swept the whole thing. We mopped down. We took out all the furniture. We we swept it all up. But I guess I didn't get a piece. And a little piece of glass got stuck in my foot. Ouch. Okay. So <laughs> the next day, I'm, I have to get on a plane to go to Poland. Or actually, I think it was Monday. So I had a day in there to, to wallow around a bit. But during that time, I tried to get this piece of glass out with tweezers, and I couldn't do it, and Kelly couldn't do it. And so I went to, I put it off for a day, and then I decided the next day I was going to go to a clinic, like a local walk-in clinic, and see if they could take it out. Well, the walk-in clinic said, no, they weren't going to. If you couldn't see it, and we couldn't because we tried to get it out and couldn't see it, the doctors there weren't going to poke around and cut the foot open and stuff. They just weren't going to do that. And I had to go to either the emergency room or to this other outpatient hospital place. And it it was going to cost a lot of money, you know, deductibles being what they are. It was going to be a thousand dollars out of pocket. So I called up my friend in Poland who runs this conference. And I said, Hey, because I had to get on a plane at 10 o'clock that night. And here it is 11 o'clock in the afternoon. And I still have a piece of glass in my foot. And I said, Hey, Masiej, which is his name. I said, can you, is there a place where you can book a, a, a clinic for me where I can get this piece of glass taken out of my foot. He goes, yes, no problem. 50 bucks. (laughs) And it ended up costing a hundred bucks, but who cares? I actually went to this place. They made an appointment for me. I went there. I didn't wait long. I got in. The guy put, shot me up with Novocaine, took a knife, took it out. And, and that was it. And that I was done, $100. So actually, even if you hadn't have already been going to speak at this conference, it would have been cheaper to fly to Poland That's and right. back without. 
That's right. Anyway. It would have been cheaper. I mean, the flight to Poland was like six or $700. You know, I would still, <laughs> if I had booked a flight to Poland and booked a, a thing, you know, it still would have been cheaper than going to my local clinic. That's crazy. Isn't that crazy? But I'm glad you got, I'm glad you got your foot fixed. Yeah, me too. But it just makes me it, it makes me a little bit angry, you know, that uh, that we have to have this subpar experience of of healthcare in America while the rest of the world doesn't have these issues. Don't get me started, says the girl who grew up with social medicine. Yeah, no kidding, right? I mean, in England, that would have been free. Mm-hmm. Fifty dollars, nothing. It would have been free. Yeah. But here, I'm a foreigner. I'm coming from America. I pay $100 and it's done. It's just amazing to me. All right. So anyway, so that's really not the, the, the biggest thing that happened to me over this last month. What's the biggest thing? We have been doing, you know, posting rebroadcasts because I've been really busy with work and we just, you've been busy with this and that and we haven't had a chance to get together. Our schedules, I, I think sometimes I think that the reason you and Richard never missed a beat was because of the time difference meant that you could record in the middle of the night when you were both available. Yeah, it, it's true. Um, plus, he didn't have the travel schedule and stuff. Yeah, it was easier for us, whatever. So this whole last week, I, I got to tell you, I'll, I'll admit it, I've been putting on weight. And I blame those Goddamn chaffles. Chaffles. Yes, and I said chaffles. Chaffles, chaffles, whatever you call them, I blame cheese. And I, I didn't, you remember um, a couple months ago, I discovered that cheese was a problem for me. Mm-hmm. Well, apparently, I've been in denial because I've been loading up on cheese. I've been eating chaffle burgers and chaffle sandwiches. Well, that's all loaded because with it doesn't look like cheese when you make it into a chaffle. Yeah, not only that, but I just didn't care. Like, I was like, oh, my God, this is so good. Nom, 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 right? I still haven't had a chaffle. <laughs> it's keto. My blood sugar is still okay. It's fine. But I'm putting on weight. So... So I had to prove it to myself once again that cheese was my problem. So I did another experiment. But this time, it's not that I just eliminated cheese, but I doubled down on everything else, like all the high fat. I was drinking wine like for a couple of days. I had high fat pastrami, um, prosciutto di parma, and that was just for my nosh where I normally would have cheese. I had that instead. And then I had your basic ribeye and butter and all the other stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Lost two pounds the first day. Boom! Lost another pound the next day. Boom! And another pound since, every other day since. No, you get no more booms. That's it. No, so what I'm saying is, you know, when you find something that's causing a problem, you know... Uh, stop it. Stop it, right? And I didn't. I was in denial. I think I was in denial because I love cheese. So can I smack you every time I see you looking at cheese now? <laughs> back. <laughs> back. Bad Away from the Bad cheese. <laughs> but here's the cool thing, right? I found some substitute things that give me as much pleasure as cheese gives me, like the prosciutto and the pastrami. And I'm, there's no, I, I don't even care now about cheese. Yay! Yeah. Good job, sir. So that's really cool. That's really cool. And I just love that. And I love the fact that, you know, 
we can do this from time to time. You know, we, we know in our mind what the problem is, and sometimes we're in denial about it, and sometimes we don't care, and we throw caution to the wind, and we think, oh, maybe, the, maybe that was just a fluke or whatever. But, you know, when it comes right down to it, there's always a way around it. You know, it's better to know, <laughs> and there's always a substitute that you can make yourself happy with and everything's good. So that's, that's it. All right. So the last piece of news that I have, Carrie, and I know we're 20 minutes in now and we still haven't gotten to our interview. Um, the last piece of news that I want to tell everybody is that Keto Fest 2020 is happening in Houston, not New London. Yay, Houston! Yay, Houston. We are so committed to doing Keto Fest 2020 in Houston that we are foregoing our new London event for next year. So I'll be there. You'll be there. Hopefully Richard will be there if schedule permits. It looks like it's a good time for him. And we, we're just going to make that everything that Keto Fest New London has been for the last three years and more. So that's where we are with Keto Fest. And we're also joining forces with Low Carb Houston and Dr. Nadir Ali, who is incredibly excited about turning Low Carb Houston into a Keto Fest. Absolutely. So it's going to be the best of both worlds and it's going to be epic. Right. And it's going to be in October. Yep. And the weather is going to be perfect. So thank you for everybody who put up with us these last few weeks. By the way, they were great shows, weren't they? They were. And, you know, we have a ton of people who were new who who haven't, for whatever reason, gone back and started at number one, for, for whom these were just brand new episodes. Right. So it's all good. And they were really critical uh, shows as well. I, I chose them myself. All right. Well, anyway, let's give away a Two Keto Dudes coffee mug. To a lucky member of the Two Keto Dudes fan club, which you can join for free at fanclub.2keto.com. So who is this week's winner, Carl? Today's winner is Wilbur Thompson. Go, Wilbur! Yay, and Wilbur wins a coffee mug just for being a member of the fan club. And if you don't want to wait to win a coffee mug, you can get one online at gear.2keto.com. All right, Carrie, you know what time it is. It's time for us to read the, uh, you know, the mail post. A letter. A letter. Do you have a letter for us, Carl? I got a letter. Okay, read the letter. <sighs> it's so boring. Where's Richard? I want Richard back. <laughs> All right, well, this is from... Are you, if you think that that's going to make me drop my... <laughs> Not at all, not at all. All right, so this is from the forum, and it's from the great big public keto before and after thread, which we have now 876 posts in this thread. And this is where people can come into the forum, post their before and after pictures, tell us their stories with the knowledge that this is public, it can go um, viral, we can post it to Instagram, whatever. This is Charles Dellinger, and he says, I'm 52 and have lost over 180 pounds on keto. <gasps> That's amazing. Yeah, since January 2017, and this was uh, September 4th. He says, my starting weight was 407 pounds, 185 kilograms. My current weight is 222.8 pounds. 
Um, my goal weight is 200 pounds or 91 kilograms. And here are some before and after pictures. Didn't have a picture for 2017 when I was at 408. These pictures are from September 2014 to July 2019. So, wow. I mean, just take a look. Yeah, he was even bigger than in that before picture. That's absolutely incredible. And he looks I, I great. Just, that, that's a whole person. Yeah, he lost the whole person. And he put up his charts and everything. And, you know, this is just one of the many, many success stories that you hear. And it's not just on our forum. It's all over the Internet. People are really beginning to pay attention to this keto thing. Wow, people are losing hundreds of pounds, not just like 20 pounds, not just like, oh, I can now fit into a size seven or whatever pants. This is, we're talking, this guy lost 180 pounds. That is amazing. That is, and not to mention all the other health issues that we read about people resolving on a daily basis. It's its absolutely incredible. Oh, yeah. It's great. Well, Carrie, this is going to be an extra special episode because one of our huge, hugest fans and getting smaller is on the line right now. its uh, You probably know him from the Ketogenic Forums. It's Ron Big Black Garrett. Welcome, Ron. Hey, hey, what's up, dudes and do that? Yay, Ron. Yeah, what's up? No, oh, man, living the dream. Yeah, you have you have a great story, and you and um, uh, we wanted to give you some airtime. Oh, I uh, appreciate it, man. It's an honor and a pleasure. Sure. Well, uh, why don't you start as early as you want? Start start at the beginning. Well, um, I I used to be a bodybuilder and all that stuff way back in the day, bodybuilding, powerlifter. And so, you know, I've got used to eating those eight meals a day and, and all those things. And, right. uh, but after I quit, I started noticing that I started gaining more and more weight and the normal cutting wasn't working anymore. Um, no matter what I did, no matter how I tried to do the calories in calories out, no, nothing ever worked again. Even when I went back to a bodybuilder's diet, yeah. all of a sudden I couldn't lose any weight, work, uh, weight anymore. So then um, started going to the doctors and they kept telling me the standard things. And uh, then I found out that I had high, what was called high sugar at the time. Yeah. And so what did they do? They prescribed me more high sugar. <laughs> you know, they told me to eat more carbs, cleaner carbs and all these other things. So huh. then um, I just started getting sicker at the age of 36. I started getting sicker and sicker and sicker. And over the next 10 years, I really got sick, almost 12 years. And well, when you say got, sick, Ron, what can you describe to us kind of, was it anything specific? Was it just general fatigue or did you have um, things that were diagnosed? Well, no, that was the funny thing. They said I had high sugar, but I kept going to the doctor in and out and I was having a lot of fatigue. That was the, the biggest thing was a lot of fatigue mm. and uh, a lot of arthritis uh, a lot, a lot of, um, headaches, dizziness. Um, and I just had days where I couldn't get out of bed and I just kept putting on more and more weight and couldn't seem to lose it for any reason. So, um, they would put me on different pills here and there nothing seemed to work. And I just got worse over the next, uh, until I turned 48. And when I turned 48, um, I was talking to a, uh, my wife about it. And she said, a friend, a friend that I really trust and admire, he brought up keto. And 
I had knew somewhat of keto, but I wasn't that familiar with keto. I just knew it as low carb from bodybuilding. When we, when we would cut, we would cut our carbs. Yeah. And And eat more protein, right? Yeah. Eat more protein, but not fat. Right. That was the thing. So we'd always be miserable, but it was worth it. So, um, his wife actually, and this is one of my pastors at church, his wife, uh, I was in the youth ministry and his wife said, have you ever heard of these guys called two keto dudes? Hmm. And I was like, no, it don't sound like nothing a black guy's going to listen to. Yeah, no you know? I know. We <laughs> so, sound so white, um, it's embarrassing. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> but, but but it was cool. It was cool because I, I was so desperate at the time and I trusted uh, this um, man and this woman so much. Um, and I felt like as a faith person that God had brought them into my life. And so I've always listened to what they said. So I said, well, I'll give this a try. And then from the first show on, I was actually telling Carl before we came on the air that from that first night that I started listening, I was walking around my neighborhood. Uh, it was the first time I'd been able to walk. And I could only I only walked for about five minutes and I, I sat down, I'd, I'd stop, walk five, stop, fall. Now, this is coming from a person that was a bodybuilder, powerlifter, super athlete um, when I was in the Army. And I went from all of that down to where I could only walk five minutes at a time. So it took me a literal two hours to walk around my entire neighborhood. But the entire time I was binge listening to two keto dudes. Wow. And and it's so funny because for that 12 years prior that I was struggling with all of the things and the doctors couldn't tell me what was wrong with me. You guys diagnosed me. Right then, right there. Everything that you were saying, you and Carl were saying, was exactly what was happening to me. Hmm. So I started keto that day. Wow. And that was October the 16th, 2016. And I've been keto ever since. Wow. And and so the, the health improvements obviously happened. And um, there was mm-hmm. weight loss, too? Yes. I've uh, lost 90 pounds. Jeez. Um, and uh, and this is from a big frame guy. If you, yeah. you go on my, my social media, you'll see I'm a pretty big guy still. I'm a 250 pounds now. I started out at about 350. I always tell people it was 340, but actually I was probably closer to 350 or 360. Because, yeah. you know, you get embarrassed about saying your weight, sure. especially someone like, someone like me. Um, but I... Um, I've lost almost a hundred pounds. Uh, I always say 90 cause I like to fudge under a little bit. Mm-hmm. Plus mm-hmm. I, I would have lost more had I st- stayed strictly keto the entire time, yeah. but I'm an experimenter like you guys, Right, sure. you know, you guys taught me to experiment. So That's I, right. so yeah. And then, um, so I did a whole bunch of experiments, so I haven't lost and I've been in a stall for a while, but that doesn't bother me because I feel great. Yeah. Join uh, the club. Yeah, yeah, I know. And and so that's basically everything in a nutshell as far as like how I got into keto and and it was really all uh because of you guys, you know. Wow. So Ron, you're but you're back in the gym now, right? I've seen in IGs of you what um back in the gym exercising away. So is it not true that it might not seem like you've lost as much weight because you're actually back building muscle up again? Oh, some of that is definitely true because, yeah. um, you know, as you know, I'm a power lifter. Even mm. at my age of 52, I still can bench press close to 500 pounds. And, and, uh, 1967. And, yeah, yeah, I know, right? Yeah, that's it. And I'm 52 so some also. of the, 
some of the lack of weight loss is that I don't really worry about the weight part. The first time, the first uh, year or so I did concern myself with weight. I wasn't consumed with it, but I did note the weight. Um, But I don't really worry about weight. I worry about the body fat content. But it it uh, it is true that I have put back on muscle, even at my age, I put on muscle and that's with fasting also. Um, that free human growth hormone that you guys taught me about and all those things. Well, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, we didn't have all the answers. It's our guests that have educated yeah. us all. You know, I didn't yeah, know yeah. about growth hormone until I talked to Jason Fung and yes, the people yeah. at IDM. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I certainly learned a lot from all of the intelligent people that have been thinking and researching keto that we've talked yeah. to. We've all been learning yeah. together, I guess is what I'm saying. Oh yeah. And that's the thing, man. And, 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 you know, you guys is, is so awesome. And then, you know, the other thing to bring Carrie into it, um, at first I'm the type of person that can eat, I can eat eggs and bacon and cheese every day. Mm. Doesn't bother me. I can eat it five times a day, two times a day, three times a day, or not eat at all. But my wife, when I was trying to bring her in, she's not like that. She's yeah. a variety person. Right. So, Somet- you know, Carrie- sometimes I wish that I could be like you, but I'm not. Yeah. I'm like your wife. I wish that I could just eat bacon and eggs and steak and be happy. But I do, I got to tell you, I get bored with eating the same thing over and over again. Yeah. Yes, my, my wife is the same way. And she, I said, hey, uh, she started noticing. I kept mentioning this Carrie, Carrie, Carrie. And she was like, hey, uh, are you trying to see somebody over the internet? And I'm like, <laughs> no. I said, I said, yeah, if you weren't around, though, I'd try to marry this woman. Because she <laughs> <laughs> She's all that in a bag of chips, Ron. Oh, you know, you know, her. I've been 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 staunchly single for like 13 years, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, I know. But I told her, I said, um, and and she just fell in love with you because she, there she wasn't bored anymore. She started trying out some of your recipes. I would try some of them out. They they weren't difficult, which is odd because normally you think of uh, cooking as difficult. You know, if you're not a, a chef or anything like that, but really the things that you were showing were actually simpler than trying to mix and get the carb stuff all right, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, it's um, most people are, they simply in their humanness, me included, they're not going to stick to any eating plan that doesn't taste good. Mm. And they're also not going to stick to any eating plan that requires you know, a ton of work and it's hard. Yeah. So I, I really try very hard to make the recipes doable by even those who have zero kitchen skills. Because we, you know, we want, the reason we do this podcast and all the other things we do is because we really want to help people be able to get on this lifestyle right. and stay on it. And part of that is making it Easy and delicious. But we we complicated ourselves, and I don't mean we podcast hosts. I mean, we humans complicate keto. You know, we want to measure everything. We want to science the hell out of it. You know, we want to have macros and use our apps and, you know, make sure I didn't eat too much of this and too much of that, you know, right? And it's this is like one of the only diets that you can sort of intuit your way around and know you got to know what you can eat and what you can't eat. And so, you know, for that, we've always recommended use a blood sugar meter and keto meter. But, but you know, just avoid the foods that 
uh, drive up your blood sugar or insulin and eat eat your heart out for the rest of the foods and and you it it'll your body will tell you when you've had enough and listen to it and this is one of the only diet plans that I've ever been on or you know ways of eating or whatever that that's been the case usually I'm I, I eat whatever's on the plan and you know before and I'd still be starving and then you know find myself a taco bell at two in the morning I know, right? I know. And back when I could back when I could eat like that, it wasn't an issue. But once I got to a point to where I couldn't lose any weight and I was right. getting sicker, it became a problem. Mm-hmm. I literally and I, and I, and I, I I don't exaggerate this because of the shape I was in when when I first found you guys and then you guys took me down those rabbit holes to Ivor Cummings and yeah. and and all these other guys and girls, um, Megan Ramos, who I love. I love mm-hmm. the IDM program. Um, I literally believe that I probably only had like two years left, maybe wow. at the rate I was going. That's how bad I, I, I had gotten. And it was real funny. The people that would see me that knew me over the years couldn't believe, especially my army buddies, you know, they couldn't believe that this guy who was, who they always looked up to as being a, a guy that was always um, in shape and was a super athlete had went down so far. Yeah. And, I never knew that it was just simply diabetes and the effects of diabetes because I am a diagnosed type type two diabetic, but my blood sugars rocked down to about 5.9 after being up at around uh, nine or 10 for years. Uh, I rock at about 5.9, anywhere from 5.9 to about 6.5 when I experiment for a time, it'll pop up, you know? So my last one was 6.1. Uh, and I had been experimenting pretty much for almost the entire three months that it's measured, you know, so my body's actually fighting carbs a lot better now, even though, uh, you know, I've, I've been healed some. So, yeah, I find the same thing. I, I'm really interested to hear any stories that you have of how you have helped other people in your fan, family and circle of friends. Um, you, you seem like a natural born leader to me. I'm sure a lot of people come to you and say, can I do that too? How do you do that? And, and have you helped other people? Oh, yes. Uh, well, I, I, I've been blessed to, um, uh, I'm a, like I said, I'm a youth leader, but I do inner city ministry here locally. Yeah. And, um, the thing about it is the black community, for whatever reason, we're, we're almost like the last one, uh, last ones to really, hang on to educational nutrition, anything to do with health and nutrition for whatever reason. Um, it seems like we are, and I know every culture feels like that, but I'm speaking as a black man. Yeah. Um, seems like we're just always, uh, last and it's for whatever you mean reason, last to can, change or yes, last to change or last to accept things, uh, especially with health and nutrition. Yeah. And that's just, that's my thoughts. I'm not putting that on the whole black community, but it's what I've noticed. And I'm, and when I'm speaking, I'm speaking of the inner city. Yeah. Uh, I'm not speaking of general, maybe middle-class blacks. And, and I found that to be the case now that I'm, I'm a couple of years out. It really, it doesn't matter what color you are when you're in an inner city, inner city environment. It's almost all the same. I found that with my Puerto Rican friends, my Mexican friends, et cetera. But it seems like that's what the case is. And so I started uh, paying it forward 
by speaking to my kids in my inner city ministry. You know, these kids are in danger to be killed. I mean, death is nothing to these kids, you know. Yeah. So they don't really care. And they, the, I would go over to homes and pick kids up. And I'd say, hey, what are y'all feeding? You, you, want, you want to know why these kids are having some attention problems? I said, let me tell you, it goes back to sugar. Yeah. And so I started educating parents. And I wasn't doing it to try to be anything. I was doing it out of an organic move from my heart. Sure. Because I knew I, I studied enough and listened to podcasts and started studying on my own to understand that a lot of the problems and the things that are happening uh, in the neighborhood that I'm serving could all be traced back to sugar. Even some of the violence and things like that, people don't realize that that um, your brain chemistry and everything is affected by sugar. Oh, yeah. And, we, and- we realize that we just don't put those two things together. And I don't know as if we ever have on the show either, but, you know, every once in a while where I hear about, you know, people going crazy, I, I just think, you know, man, how, how would these people be different if they were just, you know, if they just had a burger Yeah, just stitch the cars. But, you know, in the inner city, um, accessible, crappy carb food is very cheap. And so people naturally gravitate to that. Right. But but it is also a little bit of a myth because you can eat keto very, very cheaply. You just have to. Yeah. When I first started out, it was so funny. I could actually afford better food. Yeah. But um, when I started out. I just was eating hot dogs and cheap burgers yeah. and eggs and bacon. And actually, my food bill went down so far, I started hitting huge steaks and everything, you know. So it's just it's a, it's just a falsehood that keto is expensive. Right. It, it, you have to buy more of the crappy food, so you spend more money. But if you eat keto, there's times when I just don't even get hungry. What about and, cooking, and, though? And, I mean, cooking is uh, weak. We say on the show, cooking, I think cooking is necessary for success, even if you're yes. just making yourself bacon, you know, because mm-hmm. freely accessible, ready to eat low carb food isn't as accessible as off the shelf, you know, shelf stable crackers and crap. Right. So so yes. it, it, you can buy yourself some bacon and eggs, but you do have to cook them. Nobody's going to eat a raw yeah. egg. Yeah, you do. But um, the thing about it is. It de- I guess in my my opinion, it depends on what your motivation is. For me, I had such a high motivation to live mm. that, um, and plus, I, I've always cooked my life anyway. My mom taught me how to cook. Uh, shout out to my mom. She said that I don't want you to be dependent on any woman to cook for you. So from the age of six, she would have me at the stove, standing on a, a chair, learning how to cook bacon and and uh, uh, I, I never forget, I used to get burnt <laughs> trying to cook the bacon with the bacon splatter. But she taught me how to cook, and she taught all of us how to cook at an early age because she didn't want us dependent on other people. And she didn't want us as young men, me and my, my brother, she didn't want us dependent on any woman uh, trying to starve us to death if they weren't getting their way. And oh. that's just my mom. That's just my mom. <laughs> she and sounds mom like a hot ticket. Yeah, oh, she she is. She is, you know, and... and uh, <laughs> She she truly taught me when I went into the army. I used to always tell the drill sergeant, "Man, you you guys are not that tough." You know, my mom is actually tougher than you guys. You know, it's, <laughs> and so they used to get mad at me when I would say that. But I was like, eh, "You guys can only yell at me." My mom would knock my block off if I got too smart with it. You know, so <laughs> and that's back in the days when you could do that. You know, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Ron, I, I'm 
curious, I, as I understand it, and I haven't really researched this, so I'm hoping you have, but my understanding is that there are some, some kind of things that are, are unique to the African-American population when it comes to diet, that you're more susceptible to certain things, that the rates of diabetes are higher, and then there are some things that might make this more difficult. Can you talk to that at all? Well, yeah, I could um, I could speak for myself. I would say that I've learned, because my history is also in Na- uh, First Nations also. Oh, cool. So, yeah, so... Um, I started going back into history and started learning on what Africans actually ate and Africans actually ate uh, more of the organ meats and the fat. They really threw away the lean parts. Yeah. Um, They fed them to the dogs and and stuff like that. And, and so Australian first, uh, first nations were like that too. Richard uh, Morris has talked about that, how, you know, their, their staple diet, the kangaroo tail was the prized meat and that had yeah. all the fat in it and they gave the lean stuff to the dogs it's the same way with the first nations also because yeah. i remember back and even when i was younger um uh, i remember that a lot of the food that they wanted me to eat i wouldn't eat because it was fatty and all this other stuff i wish i had known what i know now right. i would have been gorging on that stuff but that's the history the history that i've learned and what's happened is when 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 black people were brought here as slaves um, we started eating tra- the traditional uh, European standard European diet that was chock full of uh, grains and and uh, sugar, processed flours, and all that. And our physiology just does not tolerate that as well. Yeah. So I that's my opinion is that that's why um, the explosion for everyone, but especially for the African American uh, African American uh, community. Uh, it's just because our physiology hasn't had enough time to to even develop any kind of immunity towards that. Hmm. And I, I see it. And you go back to, like you were saying, who else have I helped? My family, my sister has lost, I think it's over 60 pounds. Wow. And I didn't, even, I didn't even know she was doing it. She saw some pictures of me and she started doing it. And I didn't even know she was doing it. My nephew lost almost uh, 80 pounds. Um, and I have another nephew who's like the slim one in the family, but he was already being diagnosed with diabetes. He started doing it. He's at least low carb. He's not really keto, but, and he noticed a big change around because they were trying to put him on all these medications. So it's just, it's been that. And then, uh, at work, it's probably the biggest change, uh, because I'm still working on trying to develop some strategies for the inner city ministry, but. I had people at my gym, but at work, they had a whole floor on the bottom floor of where we work at. And we work in a secure building, Mm -hmm. so no one can really get in and out of the building. And uh, this one guy, a best buddy of mine, best friend of mine, who uh, his name is Jason Cosby. He came up one day and he was a man of real, you know, he's a very big guy, too. We had met in the gym almost two years before. And that's before I really started gaining a lot of weight. So he came up one day and said, hey, man, I noticed you lost a whole bunch of weight. What did you do? I said, hey, man, let me talk to you. Let me introduce you to two keto dudes. (laughs) So I just sent him a couple of podcasts and I said, 
man, come up and talk to me and we'll talk about this deal. So we started working together and he started dropping weight. And then so the people down in his section noticed he was dropping weight. They started asking. And the next thing I know, he was bringing people up to my desk uh, to where I work at in the lobby. He was bringing them up there every day. Hey, here's the king of keto. That's what he called me, the king of keto. <laughs> That's awesome. And, uh, so I've sort of been known as the king of keto here locally. Yeah. But, um, I, you know, and I don't inspire to anything like that. I just want to help people live. I want to help people have a better quality of life. And I've been blessed uh, to have the type of personality that, that people will come to and want to talk to me about yeah. things because they know I'm not going to talk down to them. Well, it's obvious, they, you know, after we've just been talking for a few minutes, it's obvious, like I said before, you're you're a natural born leader. And I, I don't know how many people in the black community listen to podcasts. I know it certainly works, you know, for, for Carrie and me and the Caucasians among us and the mm-hmm. various people. But uh, I, I don't know how would you think um, – you could scale up your message into the black community. Is it through the churches? Is it through word of mouth only? Are there other technological uh, media distribution mechanisms that you could use? How, you must have thought about that a little bit. Yeah, um, I've noticed. I've noticed, and that the one thing, even my nephews and some people where I grew up at. Actually, there's a lot more podcast listeners now in the African-American community oh, good. than I've ever noted before. So and then I found that the traditional way of black thinking is starting to change, too. The further along we go down these paths of uh, being more and more integrated uh, yeah. and a lot of black people are becoming a lot more, just like every other segment of society. They're starting to become more and more health conscious. And willing to listen to other uh, thought processes yeah. and ways of doing things. So believe it or not, I've really turned a lot of black people on to uh, to your podcast. Well, I think you should um, start your own, Ron. I mean, you know, you, well, like I said, I, I man, they'll, everybody will yeah. listen to you. Yeah, <laughs> I could. Um, I, I have some tech technology challenges that I need to overcome. Yeah. I think technical, technological fears that I need to overcome. Um, and you know, whenever my wife's not around, I, like I said, I'll, you guys should have saw me 30 minutes before we started talking. I, I was panicking because I couldn't figure out how to use her computer. And, uh, I normally do everything on the phone now. So at least I'm not that bad. But um, you can actually I, I, do podcasts from your phone now. I mean, it's so there's software that you can apps you can download. It's just so freaking easy now. Yeah. But yeah. I have learned how to use Zoom. So there that's why I, I do have it on my phone. But yep. I, I'm right now. I have some uh, challenges that are going on in my life personally. Hmm. Um, I don't know if I can talk about it for a second. My wife is uh, she had was diagnosed with breast cancer a few years back. Um, and it just recently returned. And uh, so we're walking through that now. So um, prayerfully. I'm sorry we will, to hear uh, that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 But, you know, I, I really think that her being low carb and keto, she's been a mix of low carb and keto. Yeah. I believe it actually helped her a sure. lot. And I know it's helping her because the, her blood work, even though she's uh, had some movement and, and things like that, her blood work is actually pretty good. And the doctors are sort of astounded by that. And I, I told her, I said, I'm glad that you were at least low carb. And she had really been keto the last couple of months. And I believe that it had an effect because the doctor is like, wow, I don't, I don't understand your blood work. 
And I said, well, we know, <laughs> you know, but we're also, um, you know, checking out some things by Dr. Uh, Winters and mm-hmm. uh, we're going to be looking at some holistic stuff, maybe in Spain, because they were saying that ke- uh, chemo may not work as well this time. And uh, we're not really big fans of chemo after the last yeah, time. Right. Anyway. So um, and uh, so we're going to be looking at that. But but that's sort of what I have going on right now. But I haven't I haven't ruled out uh, um, reeducating myself to the point to where I, I may be interested in doing a podcast. And the good thing about it is I know a guy. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, so if I if I decide to go down that route, uh, I'm pretty sure that. Uh, and then you know, uh, Danny Vega, I was blessed to be on their uh, podcast a while back. Good. Um, uh, the ketogenic athlete, and I've been blessed to be on a couple of more podcasts because uh, I guess people like to hear from a sap like me every once in a while. <laughs> you got a great <laughs> story, Ron. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but I've been blessed to do that, and it's just because I love people. Um, I want to see them better in all aspects of their lives. And, 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 uh, it's just an awesome thing to see how in the keto community, it is such a rich melting pot of Muslim, Christian, yeah, sure Buddhist, is. Hindu, atheist. Um, it, it, and, and all of us have one thing in common. And I sort of, I wish the world and especially this country was like that, finding a common ground we're able to sort of ditch all of that other stuff and just talk about being keto. And that's a cool thing. It is a cool thing. Something that something we all share, you know, we all eat and we all have different stages of disease and, you know, we can, uh, we can, we can come together on that. That's a really great, uh, really great thought. So Ron, look, thinking back to your, your journey in keto, what would you say were the biggest positive results you've had well the biggest in, part in the three result, years oh is that i'm still alive yeah and i have my that's first, a win <laughs> yeah i have my first grandchild is on the way um and i you know three years ago i i i said well i probably won't see my because i'm just i had no clue and I figured that just like so many men in my family, because there's been so many men in my family that died before the age of 60. And so I figured that that and, and now I understand why is because of how they ate. And that doesn't mean that it can't happen to me. I had so many years that I ate wrong that it could happen to me, too. But I've at least given myself a fighting chance. And so being alive is the number one thing. Losing the weight really, believe it or not, was not that big of a deal to me because as a bodybuilder, I would go up 30 pounds, come down 40, especially before a show. So gaining weight and losing weight was never that big of a deal to me. Even though I got up to the biggest I'd ever been, I figured that I would just cut down to 300 and be a huge 300 walking around, scaring everybody. Because that's what my wife, my wife was like, you know, you're too big. And she didn't mean it like too fat. She meant too big because she didn't really want me being as muscular as I was, you know. But I enjoyed walking around and, and having those 22-inch pythons. You know, that that was my thing. I love to just put my arms up and flex all the time. So my wife said calls me a show-off. But <laughs> <laughs> the positive, the positive, the other positive thing is that I'm able to uh, really, really affect people. There are some kids now that won't touch sugar out of my inner city ministry. They were drinking pops 
Uh, that's, you know, sodas, pops, whatever you want to call them. We call them Cokes. But they were drinking that stuff every day. And I was blessed to be able to speak to them. And I would have about once a month in my inner city ministry, I would actually talk to them about nutrition. And, and most of them, of course, wouldn't uh, do anything. But we had a couple of them who had been struggling with their weight. They actually now, to this day, they're about uh, three years older now. And they say, hey, Commander Ron, which is what they call me. Hey, I'm still not uh, drinking sodas anymore. And I'm not eating a bunch of stuff. And I still eat some stuff, but I just don't eat it like I used to. And these little fat, chubby kids have slimmed down now. And that's an awesome thing. You know, know, I don't know about your doctor, but my doctor never told me what the end game was for diabetes, right? They never, my doctor never said, you know, you can look forward to losing limbs and amputations and heart attacks and, you know, your body rotting from the inside out. She never said that. But maybe it's a good time to remind people about some of the famous people that we all know that died from type 2 diabetes. James Cagney died from type 2 diabetes. Ella Fitzgerald, Mm -hmm. after she had gotten both legs amputated. Um, Penny Marshall died of type 2 diabetes. Jules Verne, Nell Carter, William F. Buckley Jr., Peggy Lee, Esther Roll, Sugar Ray Robinson. Man, I did not know that. Uh, Waylon Jennings. I did not know that. Oh, there's so many. Uh, yeah. Rory Calhoun, George Hyslop. Um, there's there's so many people. Curtis Mayfield. Mm. Wow. One of my mom's favorites. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Wow. Mahalia yeah. Jackson. Mm. You know, so it's it's kind of, it's a reality check for a lot of people. You know, when, and I think we ought to be more upfront with people about this isn't just about losing weight. It's about not dying. Yeah. Yeah. And that was my goal. That was my goal. My goal was just to live. I I wanted to at least be able to see my first grandkid, you know, because um, I didn't think that I'd make it. And I never expected to live past 30 anyway, growing up where I grew up at. And yeah. growing up in the hood, um, life expectancy was very short where I grew up at. Yeah. Um, joined the military and, and got out of there. So I figured that I would live past 30. Uh, didn't expect to make it to 40 uh, because I was in the military. And, you know, you have things in the military that are going on, deployments. And so once I got out of the military, I said, well, maybe I can make it to 50. But then when I started getting sick, I didn't think I would make it. And here I am now. I'm 52 and got my first grandkid on the way. Woo! It's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so. Ron, are you are you a are you a foodie like us? Do you like to cook? I do actually. I do love to cook. Um, um, you my, talked about your experiments. Yeah, I do. I do a lot of experimenting. Um, I just a lot of recipes, especially like a lot of your, your, the things on your, your site. When I first started, I would really go in there and, and just try a lot of those things. And I was mainly interested in the things that reminded me of foods that I was cutting out, like the chicken, the fried chickens and stuff like that. Yeah. But after a while, um, talking to Danny Vega and, and other people like that, I started becoming more interested in carnivore. So now I eat, I eat a lot more simple. Now I eat a lot more just, prepared meats with salt and pepper and butter you know i've really sort of gotten away from all of the uh i used to make a lot of the peanut butter bars and all these other different things 
Well, you're, really don't do that. you're speaking my experience too. I mean, when we first started the podcast, it was all about trying to, you know, eat the stuff that reminded me of the comfort foods that I grew up on. And, you know, and after a while you're, you know, you're just, you know, the palate simplifies. And then of course I, and then of course I have those moments where I'm like, you know, I could really go for a, this or a that. So I turn into mm-hmm. Carrie for a couple of weeks and then go back. To <laughs> oh yeah. Now Carrie will have you going to where you're feeling like you're a chef. You know? <laughs> so, yeah. Cause we've had people over to the house and we won't tell them that something's keto. We'll yep. just let them eat it. That's and right. I would say, especially, I like to get my son-in-law, especially because he he he's he's like a picky picky person. Yeah, and we won't tell him something because if we tell him it's keto, he won't he won't want to eat it unless it's a steak, you know. But we'll fool him. We'll we'll cook something and we'll tell him. And we won't tell him it's sugar free and we won't tell him all those. And he'll be like talking about how good it is. And I'll wait till he swallows the last <laughs> bite. And I'm like, you know, that was 100 percent keto, brother. That's right. And he, oh man, he gets mad. He's so used to it now that he just assumes everything is keto. That's and funny. Uh, uh, and my daughter, my daughter actually, the pregnant one, she actually uh, has cooked a number of your, even though she's more paleo. But she loves uh, she loves a lot of Carrie's recipes, especially the the, the um, I, I think they have an ice cream machine, and, and I think she's using that. I, that's the one thing I haven't done yet because I'm lazy. I'm too lazy to go and buy one. And most of the time, I'm a carnivore. <laughs> All I do is eat a lot of meat. And we have we bu- we intentionally bought a smoker, a Traeger grill. We yeah, bought I that got one too. Oh yeah, and, and that's the thing that I love the most because. Um, I can re- I love just smoked food, and that's what I grew up at in Texas because you know we're known for our barbecue. I'm smoking some hot peppers right now. I'm going to turn into a sauce. Oh wow, that sounds good. Yeah, but but yeah, and so for me, it's very simple for me. Um, and when I can't eat anything else, I'll just eat burgers. I'll eat burgers and eggs. I love burgers and eggs. That's probably my favorite meal. Um, when Have you caught started. the chaffle craze? We did uh, a little bit, but our lives are so busy that we just don't do it. And plus, I just don't miss you don't bread. miss sandwiches, yeah, yeah. I don't really miss bread, and so I don't really. I mean, I know chaffles are not about bread, but most people that I know sort of do them because they want that bread. Feeling. Yeah, it's a bread substitute, sure. Yeah, but I really don't care about uh, bread anymore. I just don't. So it doesn't. I don't. Uh, I'll eat them just because I want them or if my wife makes them. But, um, and we have, we bought a waffle maker just for that reason, but I really don't, don't really care about, uh, about that for any kind of reason. You know, I just, like I said, I'm more of a steak person. Yeah. I can never get sick of a ribeye slathered in butter. I mean, <laughs> I could eat that every day. Never. Be a happy guy, especially the way I cook it. It's better than I've ever had at any steakhouse or high end yeah. steakhouse. Oh, yeah. And, and that's the thing. My mother-in-law moved in with us uh, when her husband died. Um, and she has always been an excellent cook. She taught my wife how to cook. But I, I'll never forget, I used to always have a problem with pork chops until Carrie's, uh, Carrie was on another show <laughs> yeah. and she told us how to do pork chops. Well, she told and, it on, on this show, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and the thing about it is, it was like, wow, I never thought about that. Cold and pan. started doing it. I yeah I never I never have a, a dry pork chop anymore. Yep. Never Yay! It works every time. Yeah, it does. I've done it. The good thing about keto, though, just listening to to you and Carl talking, the great thing about keto is that if you want it simple, if you just like the simplicity, 
you can do that. But also, if you like the cooking and you like the more complicated things or you like the variety and the textures and the flavors and Whoopie you pies. don't want to get bored, you can do that too. It, it's like, you know, yeah. you're not restricted in keto in that way right. that you all have to eat the same way. You, there's, you know, there's a whole gamut of, of things that you can do if you want to. You can recreate the the comfort foods if you want to and if that's your thing but you don't have to right that that's another thing too it's just that um my friend jason he is a cooker and he is the one that, that uh he loves you also carrie so shout out to him for you he loves you because he was like wow man she 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 has me cooking some awesome things and so you know i'm sure that i'd be remiss if i didn't tell you that he loves you too and uh <laughs> So, and, and, you know, we all love you. Stand in line. Stand in line. <laughs> um, yeah, well, it's about, we're about out of time, but I just wanted to thank you one more time for, for coming and telling your story. And, you know, if there's anything that we can do to help you and your community and get the word out, you know, we're here for you, man. So let's make that happen. Yes, sir. Thank you. And, and like I said, man, God bless you guys. Uh, you know, uh, keto is, is purely scientific most of the time. Uh, but one of my other aims is to, uh, that niche of the community that is Christian, mm-hmm. uh, I'm trying to bring in that, that it's okay for you to be keto and Christian and pray about your food and, right. and all these other things. Yeah, and, that's important. And, uh, cause that's a big part of my life. And, and I also say that to my Muslim friends and even my atheist friends, Hey, whatever, whatever your deal is, it's cool. Be you and, and make keto your own. That's my message to anyone. Make keto your own deal, you know. I love it. So, I love it. And Ron. also, um, we're sending all our love to your wife, Ron. We Thank hope you. that that all moves forward and that she gets through this this struggle and comes out shining the other side. Totally agree. Thank you. She's she's the strongest woman, and the best thing that's ever happened to me. And and um, and like I said, if it wasn't for her caring enough about me to go and seek information, I, I probably wouldn't even be talking to you right now. So thank you very much for that. That, that touches my heart and I appreciate thank her. Thank you. Fantastic, Ron. Thanks a lot. And uh, we'll, we'll keep in touch and we'll see you on the forum. Thank you. God bless. All right. God bless you too. Take care. Thank you, Carrie. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Wow. What an inspiration, huh? He really is, and uh, he has some great inspirational stuff that he posts on his social media too. Yeah. So if you want to catch up with more of Ron, his IG is always busy, so go check him out there. All right, Carrie, what you got uh, to share for a recipe? Oh, I did it. <laughs> I did it. Well, the recipe, because unbelievably, we are hurtling towards Thanksgiving. I don't know how that happened, but we are almost in the middle of November. So I thought I would get us all in the holiday spirit. Mm. And cranberries seems to be a big, big, big thing in America for Thanksgiving. And it's a big thing. In England for Christmas, we have our turkey at Christmas and we have the cranberry sauce with it. Right. So since this is a 
multicultural, multi-country favorite, I thought I would share the recipe for cranberry sauce. So I learned when I came to America that you can also get cranberry sauce, which is the shape of the can, which was a complete revelation to me. And I thought it was the weirdest thing ever. Yeah, welcome I've to America. I've got used to it now. I've got used to it now because I've been here a long time. But my favorite is still always going to be the, what I call the lumpy cranberry sauce, which is where I think you call it whole berry here. Yeah. The whole berry cranberry sauce. In other words, cranberry sauce. Right. So, however, I have recipes for both the lumpy, the cranberry sauce, and the jellied cranberry, which is the the stuff that's shaped like a can. You can make it any shape you want to make it, but both of these recipes are up on my blog. We will give you the link in the show notes, but I'm just going to go through the the whole berry cranberry sauce now and you will not believe how simple and fast it is for you to make your own cranberries for holiday this year and not have to go without you can have those cranberries with your turkey yes tell us here we here we go it's super fast and super easy however there's one critical thing so you are going to take and don't all scream in horror when you hear this Keep everything in context. You're going to need the zest and the juice of one large orange. Really? Remember that the juice of that orange is going to be spread amongst about, you know, 20 servings. So it's not even going to be one carb. Okay. Okay. So don't lose your minds over the orange juice. Then you're going to need... By the way, orange zest... And orange juice and cranberry sauce is like the best thing ever. If you right. haven't done cranberry and orange, I've been, my mother's been making this fresh relish for years with orange juice and orange zest, and it's the best. Right. So don't get your knickers in a twist over the 20th of an orange worth of juice. Right. Um, Okay, so then you're going to need approximately three quarters of a cup or six fluid ounces of hot water. You're going to need 12 ounces or 340 grams of fresh cranberries. And in America, that's one bag. They seem to all come in 12 ounce bags. So that's one bag. Um, And then eight ounces or 225 grams of xylitol. Or you can also use allulose. What you cannot use, and this is super important, do not use erythritol. Why? Which also means do not use swerve, and it also means do not use monk fruit. Most monk fruit, when people talk about monk fruit, they're actually talking about erythritol with a little bit of monk fruit in it. Most, like Lacanto, is actually erythritol with a little bit of monk fruit. And why is that? All the erythritol blends or plain erythritol, you will get crunchy sauce. Oh, right. Of course. It doesn't melt. So it's fine when it's hot, but as soon as it cools, it will become crunchy and you will be very sad. So please do not use erythritol or erythritol blends such as Swerve or Lacanto for this. Xylitol works perfectly if for whatever reason you can't tolerate xylitol or you have dogs that like to eat cranberry sauce. 
you can use allulose. You may want to add a little bit of extra allulose, but I suggest you make it, taste it. If, if you need a little bit more, add a little bit of allulose at that point. Okay. But don't use erythritol. Anyway, here's what you're going to do. Okay. You're going to put on an apron. Seriously. Sounds good so far. Cranberry juice stains like the devil. So yes, you're going to put does. on an apron. Then you're going to you're going to get a pan and you're going to zest the orange straight into the pan. You're going to juice the orange and you're going to add enough water to make one cup. So that's why I said approximately three quarters of a cup. Yeah. Because you're going to make it up to a cup with the orange juice. Then you're going to put the orange juice water, the cranberries, and your xylitol or allulose into the pan with the zest, and you're going to stir it well. Over a high heat, you're going to bring it to the boil. As soon as it's boiling, you're going to reduce the heat to a simmer and cook it for 15 minutes, stirring well and often. Once you've done that and you'll hear all the cranberries pop, it's really quite fun. Once that has happened, you're going to remove it from the heat and carefully pour the sauce into a bowl. It's going to be very hot. And just a reminder, the sugar alcohols, particularly xylitol, have a much higher boiling point than water. Right. So the boiling point of xylitol is 212 degrees. So you are going to burn yourself badly if this splashes on you. So please be careful. So carefully pour the sauce into a bowl and let it cool completely. And that's it. It's super fast. It's super simple. There's just a few key things which I've pointed out. We'll post a link to that recipe. And then also we'll also post a link to the the jellied cranberry sauce. So if you prefer the one that is smooth and shaped like a can, the link to that will be there. And that is equally as simple and equally as delicious. So there you have it. Awesome. No more, no more buying cranberries from cranberry sauce from the store or no more having to go without cranberries because they're laden with sugar. Very good, Carrie. I uh, I make cranberry sauce at Thanksgiving with allulose and orange zest, and I'm going to try your recipe this year. Yay. That sounds really good. And uh, you know what? There's another Two Keto Dudes show. If uh, If you have anything you want to tell us, something we said wrong, something you don't agree with, some more research that you found to support or refute anything that we've said, send it by email to dudes at twoketodudes.com. Come follow us on Twitter, Twitch, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Two Keto Dudes. Add the hashtag Two Keto Dudes to your posts and comments so we can find you. And of course, if you want to join the free ketogenic forum, it's forum.twoketo.com. And you can have a look around the forum without needing to create an account by starting with success.twoketo.com. That's where our mail this week Charles Dellinger came from. Come and check out our Facebook group, The Keto Kitchen, where it's all about the food and the recipes to get the science of keto on your plate. If you feel like supporting our forums and all the podcasts we produce, please consider making a monthly pledge on our Patreon page at patreon.2keto.com. 
those pledging $20 or more per month have access to the exclusive Facebook group Two Keto Dudes Gold. And we also have a free Facebook fan page at fb.2keto.com, so go follow us there. And you can see all our podcasts and other videos on YouTube at youtube.2keto.com. Also, we have an Amazon affiliate store. Buy your favorite keto ingredients and devices by going to amazon.2keto.com and you can help us out at the same time. We would also love your help in building the most awesome keto community and you can do that very easily by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. That's how a lot of new people get to know about our keto community. Plus, you can help by planning on attending Keto Fest in Houston in the fall of 2020 because the community that will be built there is absolutely incredible. Just head to ketofest.com to get all the latest information. Two Keto Dudes is brought to you by Two Keto LLC, who strives to support the low-carb community with podcasts and other publications. And now listen up, kitties. Keep calm and keto on. Keep calm and keto on, Cousin Carl. All right, Cousin Carrie. We'll see you next time on Two Two Keto Keto Dudes. Dudes.